Welcome to Kamalaya's Wellness for Life podcast, where we engage in ongoing, open, and reflective conversations with experts, practitioners, and innovators from around the world on topics of holistic health and well-being, with the aim to enrich the time you spend online. I'm your host, Karina Stewart, founder of Kamalaya Wellness Sanctuary, Chief Wellness Officer and Masters in Traditional Chinese Medicine, specializing in women's health, food for healing, and mental and emotional well-being. The Wellness for Life podcast is brought to you by Kamalaya Kosamui in Thailand, an internationally acclaimed, multi-award-winning wellness sanctuary nestled amidst granite boulders in an idyllic tropical landscape, encompassing sunrise and sunset ocean views on the southern coastline of the island. Renowned for holistic wellness programs that are results-oriented and promote vibrant health, Kamalaya offers personalized journeys for lifelong wellness. Please subscribe and start tuning in to your true potential. Welcome to a new episode of Kamalaya's Wellness for Life podcast. Going through emotional trauma or grief, both of which are being experienced by millions of people these days, can leave a lasting imprint on the body, on the brain, and cause several unwanted symptoms. It is crucial to address mental and emotional health in a timely fashion. This is what sets us apart and supports positive transformations that can help us excel in work, in relationships, and enrich our life in general. To help us understand how to work with and resolve emotional trauma, I would like to invite Kamalaya's head life enhancement mentor, Sujay Seshadri. His goal is to help people discover greater levels of self-awareness, love, and success, as well as enhanced psychological, emotional, and physical well-being. During his time as a monk, Sujay developed deep insights into the intricacies of the human mind. He also gained experience in different spiritual states of consciousness. For decades, Sujay has helped bring greater awareness and enrichment to the lives of many people from all walks of life and from all around the world. He believes that life is a constant process of learning and feels blessed and motivated to share his learning and experiences with everyone. Hello, Sujay. Hello. And welcome to the Kamalaya podcast. Thank you so much for having me here, Kevina. I'm really happy we get this time together, Sujay. Yes, I'm very happy too. I know you've been very passionate about helping people and and sometimes we don't have time to connect when you're busy in our works. And you, you're very, very busy. Both of us have uh, very packed schedules, but um, you are such a wealth and a treasure of experience and of knowledge. So Thanks. maybe today we could start with a better understanding um, from your lens of what is emotional trauma and how would any of us know if we have experienced or are experiencing or are being impacted by emotional trauma. And trauma by definition is a, an intense fear response. Uh, and so when we have a painful impact of situation that we go through, 
our brain goes into a mode of uh, protecting itself. So it's it's a self-protecting mechanism. Mm. And our mind has this ability to, to protect us when there is pain. But the strange thing about our mind is it has to spend a lot of energy in order to protect us. And sometimes uh, our mind can also become overprotective. Mm. And so... So I don't necessarily see trauma as something negative or bad, mm-hmm. but our own mind trying to protect us. And, uh, and that is why it's, it's an opportunity for us to learn a lot more about ourselves and our mind mm. when we explore something like trauma. Mm. I, I really like that reframing in a way that it's not really, that it's a problem that needs to be solved and fixed. Yes. And in a sense, denied or pushed away, but rather uh, an opportunity to have deeper insight yes. and learn and grow from it exactly. in the journey of discovery. Yes. I really like that. Um, when the brain becomes overprotective, would you say that that's like being hypervigilant, sort of always switched on or using inordinate amounts of energy yes. to protect itself? What, what does that look like? Okay, so uh, there are many ways in which uh, a trauma can manifest depending on the intensity of the painful experience. For example, some people could just have mild restlessness. Mm. Uh, They might not recognize that as a trauma response because it's not too visible. But there's a kind of a restlessness that's there in the system Mm. for no reason. So that's a milder response. Uh, some people's brains can make them go into over-worrying. You're constantly thinking about something, preparing yourself for something that's going to happen uh, even before things happen. So it can make us uh, a little bit more overthinking. It can make us anxious. So the intensity is a bit more when there is anxiousness. But uh, the peak of it is when we feel panic, when mm-hmm. we feel an absolute loss of control and it's overwhelming and there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. So there are these different intensities in which fear manifests itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, many times uh, we ignore trauma if it has the, the lesser intensity variance because there we feel like everything looks fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just worrying a bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's important to recognize these little symptoms. If it's there in a prolonged period of time, it's not like, uh, you know, worrying once in a while. And these things we all go through. Right. But if it's there in the background, hidden, yes, it's important to recognize these symptoms. Yes, yes, yes. It's interesting because as you say that, I think that it might be difficult for people to recognize if they're actually experiencing emotional trauma. Um, if it's in its subtle forms, if it's interfering with one's ability to um, live one's life, then, of course, we're more likely to recognize something's not right and I have to seek help. But when it's more subtle, it might not, you know, it might be impacting us, but we're not aware of that. What would be some of those manifestations? And also, what, you know, should we listen to our friends or family or partners when they reflect certain things to us I'm, I'm i think my question is more around how can people recognize it in its subtle forms in terms of how it manifests in our lives see uh, the brain goes into different modes of uh, responding and uh, 
the usual response of the mind is to go into a kind of a freeze when when the trauma is is really triggered because we constantly have triggers that remind us of those experiences in life and uh, and also uh, especially when it comes to opening ourselves up to relationships Mm-hmm. and new experiences of connection or trying something new when we have to take important decisions mm-hmm. those are places where the trauma can be triggered and you'll find it influencing every aspect of your life mm-hmm. sometimes the manifestation can be very physical sometimes trauma manifests as physical issues mm-hmm. in the body mm-hmm. and so we we do get a lot of wake up calls from life telling mm-hmm. us if you are a bit more disturbed about something then what you should be feeling in that situation mm-hmm. maybe there's something deeper to explore there mm-hmm. and those are good wake up calls that life keeps sending us every now and then <laughs> and uh, it's important to recognize them in those situations sometimes we might have even forgotten what happened we might be so busy in our life engaged in so many things to do that uh, we might not recognize something has had an impact but life always reminds us that we need to pay attention to something okay yes. so yes so so strong responses that are out of the ordinary yes. for us and for others yes. um I, the restlessness i can imagine or addictions perhaps yes. as a way of numbing sometimes uh, our mind goes into a freeze mode is is usually when we are panicking or we are like uh, almost like dumbfounded not able to know what to do in in a particular situation yeah. for example uh, some people keep going into a mode of uh, what we call as the flight response which is to avoid so they avoid being with people they avoid trying certain things avoidance becomes the key way of uh, handling things in life and sometimes addictions can be a source of avoidance yes. to escape life yes to find a safe place where you feel better temporarily although it's bad for us in the long run <laughs> our mind feels this is a bit more profitable if i can just find some relief yeah. so some people of course respond in from a, a more of a, a fight kind of a response where we constantly blame other people situations So one of the signs of of uh, a trauma could also be that we become angry at life people oneself and and that becomes a habit to be in unconsciously and uh, and when people are are tried to when they're being seen being this way and they've been made to feel as if their anger is wrong uh, they start believing something is wrong with them and So another response of trauma could also be that uh, everything about me is wrong my whole life is wrong and, and to feel hopeless depressed down and that's another response some people resort to becoming over pleasing and that's another response of trauma instead of uh, taking control of their lives in their own hands they don't feel that confidence sometimes we give the power to other people too much uh, and we want them to rescue us in doing things for us and that feels safer and sometimes people do that to the very person that brings about the trauma and the pain itself which be- makes it even more complicated for them to to come out because they keep getting re-traumatized by the person who's painting them 
Incredible. And that becomes a very toxic relationship. So our relationships are a good place to observe what's really coming up within us. Yeah. And if there's a trauma, it'll surely come up in a close relationship. When we think we might be experiencing emotional trauma or that we have had trauma that is impacting us emotionally, mm. where do we begin? The first thing is to stop believing something is wrong with us and uh, to recognize that uh, this impact has happened. Because it's easy for us to keep uh, feeling this is unfair. And the worst thing that can happen is to keep saying something positive to ourselves to, <laughs> to feel better in the sense. Uh, it's like there's no point thinking about this. I, I shouldn't be focusing on the negative and things like that, which does help bring relief. But at some point, we need to acknowledge it has impacted me. And this has happened. And, uh, and I am uh, responding from a place of fear. It's, it's important to see how fear is at play in that circumstance. And it's not wrong to have fear, but it's important to acknowledge it is there. That's probably the first step. The second step would be to recognize that uh, it's okay for us to feel angry if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling all these emotions, because not many people know that anger itself, when you embrace it consciously, not, not when we reactively become angry which is fear making us angry. But if you consciously become angry and you embrace the energy of that anger, anger brings confidence. <laughs> Not many people know that. We, we are designed to believe that anger itself is bad. Anger is, is one of those ways of uh, standing up to what is there. So, so in many of my processes, the first thing when somebody goes through trauma is I help them become angry, which might be like, <laughs> might be surprised I'm helping people become angry, yes. but not at anybody or anything. Yes. But, but to get in touch with the feelings of anger. Exactly. And to access that. Yes, because there was something <coughs> insensitive that has happened there for sure. Mm -hmm. And something that feels a lot of pain that is there. So when you cross the anger, that's when we get to the pain. Without crossing the anger, if you try to get to the pain, our mind will constantly try to go into talking about the pain. Now, talking about the pain and feeling the pain are not the same thing. It's like uh, eating a pizza and talking about eating a pizza, <laughs> especially when you're hungry, is not the best thing to do. No. So, <laughs> so the mind says, I am dealing with the pain. It's talking about the pain. It's yeah. talking about how this should not have happened, yeah. going into regrets. And then asking why this has happened and then goes into blaming, which leads to anger. And anger is one of the best escapes the mind can create mm -hmm. in order to not get to the pain mm -hmm. that is behind the uh, anger, the anger, often very exactly. much behind the anger. Yes. Do, you, do you think the avoidance of that pain underlying yes. and the avoidance of the fear underlying? So we use anger, we use addictions, we use all these things yes. to feel the fear and to feel the pain. Yes. Um, 
Do you think it might be because feeling that makes us feel so vulnerable? You know, it's very different to feel angry. Yeah. When you feel angry, you feel a sense of being empowered. You called it confidence. Yes. Certainly for me, it's a sense of um, bringing control. Like, yes. oh, I have control of yeah. my life. I have a choice. The anger allows me to feel empowered, to take action, uh, to say no. Yes. Um, it, it, it does bring a lot of life force, even if it can be so destructive. It doesn't mean it's always destructive. It's how it's used. But it can be very empowering and, and enlivening. Whereas for me, I know that if I, when I get in touch with fear or the pain, I feel so vulnerable. And that vulnerability is just uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, in itself, it's uncomfortable. Um, can you yeah do, do is that correct do you think for other people that's or? true that's true because our mind uh, in order to protect us it keeps us away from the pain which is a, a good idea especially when it's overwhelming and it's too much for us to process in that time but it's the same mind uh, our subconscious mind being very powerful what it does is is something very simple when we begin to relax and when we think everything is fine now, that's when it starts bringing up things. And that's why uh, people who are going through a, a particular experience of trauma, they find it hard to relax because they, their mind doesn't want them to relax. Uh, it doesn't want them to enjoy things. It wants to protect us to avoid pain. And avoiding pain becomes the priority for the mind. But the same mind also when we begin to relax and when we are open, it starts bringing up things in a safe space. And that's why it's important that uh, we find somebody to talk about. Uh, you need to find at least one space where you can safely process your feelings. And I believe uh, it can be even yourself giving yourself that space. It doesn't have to be that you always have to find another person. Uh, maybe in the beginning you take the help of another person, but after a point it's about you being a nurturing friend to yourself, where you nurture yourself out of the trauma of that experience and uh, you, you nurture yourself to embrace that pain within yourself. And uh, that requires us to be a good friend mm, to, to ourselves. ourselves. The experience of being deeply relaxed physically and emotionally and feeling safe and then the unconscious bringing up things that need to be looked at that need to be released that are there and need are just coming to the surface mm -hmm. i believe ultimately for greater wholeness and greater health yes. um, is fascinating because it really happens that way Yes. Uh, we, I think we all have that experience of why now? Why is this coming up now? Yes. Where, where did this come from? And uh, and I can also relate to keeping myself in a state of tension, whether it's through being very busy or overcommitted, and you know, really filling up the the rhythm of life so that it becomes there's not a lot of time to just sit in that spaciousness of deep relaxation. But I would have never put that together with an avoidance of allowing these bubbles of memories or of pain to arise. Never. It's beautiful, the connection there. I mean, it, it's meaningful to me.
Would you encourage people then um, as a beginning step to find someone that is trained mm -hmm. to guide people through healing trauma? Mm -hmm. um, and then along with that, to cultivate relaxation in their life, to cultivate states that are more open and more spacious where <laughs> the mind is a little bit more relaxed uh, or, or, or what are the steps you would recommend? That's, that's what's coming together for me. I would love to hear from you how, sure. so finding the right person to be with. See, every time there is a trigger, uh, we're going to find ourselves almost regressing back into to the same place. And uh, the more we don't want to be somewhere, the more we keep finding ourselves going into the same place again and again. Uh, the more we don't want to think about something, the more we don't want to feel something. And it, it's important we bring down fear and resistance towards being wherever we go to, whenever there's a trigger. And uh, and so there are many practices that can help us, of course. Uh, I, I, I don't have a, a particular practice, but uh, being uh, focused on bringing greater awareness to oneself I first uh, would help people to see this is happening. Mm -hmm. Just to notice that it's not that something is wrong with me if I go there. It is just that it's become a habit for my mind to take me there every time this happens. So once you see this as a habit, you know that this is just a habit. It's not you or it's not that life wants you to be there and it's working against you. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's more and you're not helpless because it's just a habit. Mm. That's the first thing to recognize that we have habitual ways of getting to certain places whenever there's a trigger. Mm -hmm. Once we have dissociated ourselves and you're seeing it as a habit, then you find uh, it's much easier to work on the trauma itself than when making it about ourselves. That I have to fix myself, and 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 we also begin to realize we are bigger than our experiences and our emotions, mm -hmm. and so that gives us an ability to see that we have a life bigger than this trauma. This trauma doesn't define us or our life mm -hmm. itself, and so so there are many ways uh, we can. There are therapies, uh, there are psychotherapy traditions that help in in desensitizing ourselves to that pain and to the trauma where you repeatedly visit things again and again. But some people might not be ready for that. And that's where it's important they find ways to relax themselves. Uh, meditation, breathing practices, yoga. See, the subconscious mind first brings out these emotions within us. But uh, when we don't notice them, it starts bringing up things in a more physical form. And it manifests as inflammation, as pain, as problems in the body. Insomnia. Yes. And in many ways, it, it's as physical issues because uh, our subconscious mind sees that we are not really paying attention to what it's trying to reveal from within us. And uh, it wants to, uh, wants your attention to heal this experience, which was so painful for us to notice and pay attention to. So it wants us to bring attention to it. So rather than seeing all this as a challenge, if you see it as an opportunity to pay attention, sometimes physical things we do 
can also relieve people from trauma. I've seen people going through, uh, you know, free dancing and things like that. I, I know many spiritual traditions which have singing and dancing and devotion and things like that, which, which can bring up trauma. Uh, certain breathing practices are like uh, in pranayama, we have an alternate breathing practice with, through the nostrils where you breathe in and out through alternate nostrils. Now, many times when we go through traumatic experiences, the emotional part of the brain is holding the trauma uh, and uh, parts of the brain that are connected to talking about it and processing it in a logical way, they are deactivated. And so you find there's a lot of hesitancy. It's like there's a barrier between us going through this and actually talking about it and things like that. So sometimes things like uh, EMDR where you move your eyes in a particular way or you breathe through the alternate nostrils that we do in pranayama here. Uh, many times when you're doing it regularly, they take some time, but when you repeat them and make it a part of your system, you are triggering parts of the brain in an alternative way, which means you're also activating those parts of the brain that can make sense of what's happened and help us process and digest things rather than the trauma being locked in certain parts of the brain, which are just holding it to protect us. Mm. So, so in, in olden times, uh, the psychologists talk about it, but there was not physical proof for that. But now with better scanning technology, you can actually see some parts of the brain actually hold the trauma and doesn't let other parts of the brain actually access it. Isn't that fascinating? Yes, yes really? it is. Fascinating. Yeah. It's, and it's also fascinating that, you know, uh, the practices such as alternate nostril breathing that was yes. it has been used for thousands of years yeah. uh, that it would be known that this was such a powerful yeah. practice it's one of the highest pranayama practices the way i was taught it certainly yeah. it's yeah. Uh, not a beginner's uh, <laughs> breathing practice but it really yeah. it's like it it brings everything together it yeah. turns everything on in, internally yeah. and then it brings it all together harmonizes it yeah. and i've seen the effects of it right away not only in myself but in people I know extremely well, yes. a 10-day breathing practice with that breath twice a day, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's not even the same person. Using the body yes. to also help heal the trauma mm -hmm. through the relaxation, through dance, yoga, certainly. Certainly, yes. I think there's a lot of research yes. now that mm -hmm. it has an incredibly powerful, positive impact on healing trauma yes. um, and PTSD, etc., Fantastic. And time in nature? Yes. Yeah. Our body is a very emotional being and uh, all emotions that we feel are in the body. And so when we're talking about fear, trauma, pain, anger, they're all physical experiences. Mm. And that's where our mind has to really nurture our body, to see our body more like a, an emotional child who's gone through this experience. And so you need to do everything that you can help your body, depending on what's comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing like this is the only way to help yourself. Mm -hmm. It's also important that you find a way that you enjoy doing, mm -hmm. that, that you find is working for you and your body. Mm -hmm. It should yeah. resonate with your body too. Right. And, uh, and that's why it's, it's good to explore everything, mm -hmm. not to have a closed mind saying, this is not for me. Maybe that's the best way. There's nothing like the best way. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, 
being open and finding what resonates with you and mm-hmm. that you enjoy that point. And sometimes you can move from one to another. Let's say you practiced yoga. You found that loosened up things so much for you. Uh, but now you find there's a lot of emotions coming up. You don't know what to do with that. So you can move into another modality of helping yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's also about seeing where you are in that time in your life and finding what suits you mm-hmm. at that time. Beautiful. I don't know why, but as you're talking about this right now, um, I'm having this image of, of a puppy I have. I was given a little dog <laughs> okay. and, uh, and I think he's about nine, ten months old. And um, this morning, because it's rainy outside and stormy, he was out in the front garden and he loves being out there, right? But he came back in and he was shaking and shaking and shaking. And I have this little jacket on him for, for anxiety because he, he came to me a little bit anxious. And so it's a little bit of a compression they call it a thunder jacket and he loves it when i'm going to put it on him i mean he just he just positions himself to assist me in placing it on him so he really enjoys it and he had that on but somehow this storm brought up so much anxiety for him and all i did was hold him but i really enveloped him with my whole body so he could feel the security the warmth of just being held and slowly slowly the shaking stopped and he relaxed in little fits you know little bursts um, and, and as you're speaking, what's coming to my mind is like, if we could hold ourselves in that way, if we could hold, give ourselves that reassurance when we're going through the range of emotions in any given moment or that a trigger that brings that deep fear and that deep, um, pain that might look like anger. It might look like something else, but in the end, it's fear and pain. Um, if we could find ways of, of giving that to ourselves, it, it would be so uh, not just comforting, but helpful. I really, kn- I felt him release all that anxiety yeah. in the space of two, three minutes. It didn't take long. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. So, you I know, I think we need to have uh, thunder jackets for humans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a right. There's an idea. Anyone listening? <laughs> and maybe there are. Yeah, I do know there are. Um, weighted blankets mm-hmm. uh, that have little micro beads sewn into it as a, in a quilt pattern and you can get them at different weights mm-hmm. and they were originally used if i remember correctly for children suffering from autism from anxiety mm-hmm. um, from neurological um, imbalances and they've of course developed for humans that are grown up not just the little people but the big people now too and uh uh, I think they. I think they're very effective. I've seen research on it, and it looked so. That would be the equivalent for people who have anxiety or who have in, bad dreams or insomnia. This weightedness at the right weight for your size and for your comfort uh, gives that sense of a thunder jacket. You know, holding. Yes, <laughs> yes, <to> yes, <laughs> yes. I gave one to someone who who was suffering from anxiety, and they Beautiful. they they liked it yes. very much. It was a teenager. It's yeah. it's the body that goes through these experiences it's important we make our body feel comfortable mm-hmm. and uh, that we are open to to nurturing oneself out of this and so when we face anger when we embrace anger rather it becomes a kind of uh, confidence but when you embrace pain pain has the ability to open our hearts and uh, there are only two things that can open the heart. One is love, the other is pain. Mm. And they both usually come together. 
love and pain come together. Yes. And uh, the, but both of them yes. are the two ways we can open the heart. Exactly. And opening the heart is all about finding a space of being alive, mm. to, to be more open to love, mm. to joy and, and life again. The more we postpone embracing the pain, sometimes even working on on the trauma itself becomes a kind of an obsession because it's like trying to find out where all this came from, who's responsible, it can keep going on. So after a point, it, it's sometimes important to do that too. I'm not against that. But after a point, there must come a place and time where we realize that this pain has happened and I need to learn not to be afraid of embracing this pain. We don't know why this has come, but uh, I need to embrace it. And I found there's so many examples of people that I can give you, even our guests. I'd love to. I'd love to hear. There's a lady who lost her son uh, in a freak accident and it left her traumatized. Oh my goodness. And she lived like five or six years of... uh, completely uh, feeling as if there's no point in living her life. Yeah, so she yeah. went into a complete yeah. meltdown. And so... And shut down, I imagine. And, and the moment she recognized that this pain is something that is just not going to go away, no matter what she does, because everything reminds her of that pain. There's so much grief. When she embraced all that pain, she felt a connection with her son so deeply within her heart that uh, that probably a bit deeper than what she had even before. Mm. And, and she became this person who, who now motivates people. She does sound healing around the world. And uh, she brings about healing and, and energy of positivity to so many people. So if you can embrace the pain of your trauma, not the behavior of a person, not that we have to encourage all these things, but it's it's a personal experience of nurturing yourself out of it. I've seen people who've done that uh, live extraordinary lives of uh, fulfillment, helping others. Their heart really opens. Mm. So I see every painful experience as an opportunity for us to go beyond ourselves and live a life of greater love and fulfillment. A, a much richer life. Yes. What would you say to people, and the thought certainly crossed my mind as you were speaking, who say, you know, I'm not sure I want to live with an open heart. You know, living with an open heart means more pain, uh, you know. And, and, and certainly in my life, I've had times when I feel my heart is just wide open and the joy and the bliss is incredible and the vulnerability of getting hurt is also there. And then at times when I have, you know, closed myself down a bit because I felt too hurt or was withdrawing because whatever the reason, um, I, everything, all the, all the beauty, everything got muted down yeah. dramatically. Yeah. And I'm not, it definitely was not enjoyable, but it felt while I was doing that. Okay, I'm protecting myself. I won't get hurt. It's not actually true, but that's what it felt like. So what would you say to people who might be, oh, I don't want to know. I don't know if I want to live with a more open heart. You know, it opens me up to more pain. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. I know you're talking from, uh, you know the answer yourself, but (laughs) uh, uh, 
And for anybody listening to this, uh, see, whenever there's a choice between uh, something positive and something pleasant and another thing that's unpleasant, uh, you know, our brain doesn't even ask our permission. It goes for something that's pleasant. <laughs> but the problem comes when our brain has to choose between two unpleasant things. Uh, let us say on one side, there is something painful. So our mind says, Protecting ourselves and staying away from it is, is a good thing to do. Now, when we close our heart, what happens is something very simple. We feel isolated, suffocated, lonely. We need to do a lot of thinking. We have to develop stories in our mind that keeps talking about the same thing again and again. And that actually gives us a, a far more amplified version of the pain mm -hmm. than the pain that we're trying to avoid. So here we have a choice between one pain and an amplified version of the pain. But sometimes our brain just sees what comes first. It sees in the first option, there is pain straight away and we don't know what's going to happen at the end of it. On the other side, it sees I get a bit of relief in the beginning and then I get pain. And the brain feels me getting a bit of relief now is a much better way of handling this situation let me handle the pain when it comes later. Even though it will lead to prolonged pain. Exactly. Uh, it doesn't really weigh that in. Exactly. Mm. So yeah. it doesn't weigh that in. Short-term so, benefit. Exactly. And, and many times our mind subconsciously chooses this kind of a benefit because let me handle it when it comes is, is the attitude yeah. of the mind. So I'm safe for now. And that's all that's important. That's, that's the same with any addiction. You feel temporary relief but bad in the long run. And our brain says, that's okay. <laughs> the only way to overcome that is to show the brain that things might look painful in the beginning, but then that leads you to a greater life of freedom and joy mm -hmm. and connection in your life. And that's possible. Mm -hmm. And once you have that experience, not just as a theory, but as, a, as an experience, then the brain realizes this is a, a much more profitable way of handling this whole experience. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important for somebody to give themselves a chance to, to have that experience. And, uh, and that changes their attitude towards the painful experience itself. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs>
right from the first moment of being born as a human being. It's this uh, connection that we are constantly looking for. And without that, uh, we feel pretty isolated. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the beginning of all fear, all pain and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I see, I, I, I wish people don't go through traumatic experiences, but if you have, I see it as a, as an opportunity to really find a life of greater love and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you mentioned that it also awakens a deeper compassion. It's perhaps not the only way, but certainly a very powerful way because having experienced these difficult circumstances and stimulations to to cause trauma, emotional trauma, there is more of a direct experience of what it is and therefore compassion towards others who Mm -hmm. may similarly be experiencing or have experienced uh, trauma. Because when we have fear uh, controlling our responses, uh, we end up not only causing pain to oneself, uh, we end up spreading the pain to another person in our behaviors. In our, It's not that we mean to pain anybody. Nobody means to pain anybody. But then when, when fear takes over, we are totally unconscious of the amount of pain that we can bring another person. Yes. So... As each individual works on their own fears and their pain, we're having a more conscious world and that's that's how we can really help the planet uh, because I don't think anything is wrong with the planet. It's it's what we're making it to be. Yes. That's creating a lot of stress. And so if, if we have to move forward as a, as a species, it's important that uh, we become more self-aware yes. and take responsibility for our pains. Yes, yes. And move forward. Do you feel that working on one's emotional trauma or working with our emotional trauma is difficult? I won't say it's very easy in the beginning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It takes a lot of courage to even talk about it. It takes, it's almost like you you have a barrier, a wall. And that's where it's important you find some window somewhere, mm. a small door for you to open. Mm. And, and that comes only when you see that uh, two things, when you realize you are suffering because of this, to acknowledge that and to know that there's a way out. Mm. And, and it is possible to become free. And that's important to know. Mm. Knowing that there is a way out, yes. knowing that that there is a journey that can be undertaken, yes. uh, that can be very healing and re- enriching, yes. and that it takes courage and determination yes. uh, to embark on such a yes. experience. I think that's really important. It gives people hope yeah. uh, that there is a way. Yes. That can lead to a more enriched, fulfilling life. It is. Yes. Yeah. And the rest of the confidence comes as you go on in your journey. It comes to you as an experience. Mm-hmm. The more we work on ourselves, uh, the more we embrace. You will notice that life is giving you signs. The whole universe is going to be working with us when you're working on healing yourself. Yeah. 
I've noticed that yes. throughout my journey, yes. uh, which is not a constant journey. There are times when I'm more on the path and there are 